So, Psalm 22 is full of prophecy. Very powerful psalm to read when we understand that long after this was written, Jesus Christ fulfills the prophecies written in here in his death on the cross. Psalm 22 is uh, one that I've actually, I, I listened at one point or another um, uh, to Ken Graves talking about being over in Israel and uh, having a Jewish um, tour guide that stays with them for like, like 10 days is walking around with, you know, Calvary Chapel and getting to know so much so that I guess they have an exclusive guy that they work with, that this guy is the only guy that they work with. And uh, he knows Ken and uh, Ken has had several conversations with him about the Messiah. And uh, he still is, uh, has, has not become a Christian. He is very much Jewish. And I don't know the, all the, uh, the, I can't really dive in much into the story, but I, I know that I've heard Ken teach and say, when you look at the scriptures and you understand there's this, and then you read here, I, he's basically describing like, he's already come. You know, Jesus Christ has fulfilled all these prophecies. And, and uh, listening to Ken talk about how, you know, you can look at a Psalm like Psalm 22 and how it's riddled with prophecy. And very powerful, very pinpoint accuracy. I mean, all, all the Bible prophecy is. But, I mean, where you can look at it, it's undoubtedly talking about somebody who is being crucified. You know, they pierced my hands and my feet. You know, I mean, it doesn't get any more obvious than that, right? And um, yet still, uh, still uh, spiritually blind to it. And uh, so as we move through this, Understand that this was written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ's uh, crucifixion. Uh, but we can look at and understand better his internal agony of of what he was going through, and what like a it's a glimpse through his eyes what he saw, where he says, "You know, the dogs are surrounding me." It's 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 quite a powerful psalm uh, to read. Now uh, there are things where you'll see in your scripture in, in your Bible where. Uh, the the me or the my might not be uh, capitalized and stuff like that. So we'll look through and and uh, proceed through this together. But ultimately, this is such a powerful um, focus on the suffering of the Messiah. And uh, let's uh, let's get right into it. And it says to the chief musician, set to the deer of the dawn, a psalm of David. So David wrote this. Now, the first verse is probably very familiar to you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, uh, in uh, the gospel accounts, it's even written out the Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And, uh, you know, my God, my, which is, and then it says, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's at that point where our sin was transferred to Christ. Now, to think of that, we talked about it this morning. The sinless one, the only time he ever is associated with sin is on our behalf, to take our sin on for himself on the cross, and this is his response to it. That he he takes this sin on and he is he is uh, nailed to a cross and he says, My God, my God, with that separation that that had never happened in all eternity. 
There was an, a separation from God the Father. Now to understand what uh, you know when we when we hear or we read of hell, um, we know it is a place of eternal torment and hopelessness. And uh, the biggest part uh, is that the Lord isn't there. That hopelessness that there is. There's a song by the group named uh, Disciple that I it, it's it's called My Hell. And you know he's he's writing the song and he's talking about it wasn't in you know these things that were that were in his life that were leading him to just depravity in his life. He says my my hell was living without you, you know, and that's what he's saying. I you know this was my hell living without you, and uh, it's a very powerful song. Like I said, they're very heavy. Uh, Christian band, very, very solid in their lyrics, though. And uh, so if you like that music, then crank it up. Um, but they uh, uh, that that this was my hell living without you. And, uh, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that point, when God, the son is no longer in communication, he's separated from God, the father because of us. And what the scriptures tell us and what we can come to is if there was one lost, you know, when Jesus describes the hundred sheep and one of them is lost, you're going to leave the 99 and go find the one. The Lord is telling us that that's how important we are to him, that he would have gone through that for one. But it says, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. And then, you know, everybody, you know, there's that, that wide calling. Many are called, but few are chosen. Fewer, a few will respond to that. I mean, the, there's the call for salvation, uh, but understanding that God the Son is now experiencing separation from God the Father as we read this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why, have you, why have you left me? You know, why, why is there this separation? I just that's a, a very, very powerful thing that we could just read over and and not consider. But even me, just just lingering on it for a couple minutes doesn't do it the justice. Uh, it, when you when you think about God the Son at that point experiencing separation from God the Father, that the mission is being accomplished. Remember that soon after Jesus said that, He said, "To tell us, die. It is finished." You know, and that that that's okay. Now that's done. But that that horrific. Uh, you know, pain and anguish of the soul, not only just the, the, the body. I mean, he was, he was fully God and fully man. So he experienced that pain physically, but that spiritual separation, being separated from God, the father, we can't begin to understand, you know, in that song, I, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin um, upon the cross. And, you know, I, I like that lyric, that line that's listed. If you don't know, I, God speaks to me through music very heavily. And, um, and I retain lyrics and uh, songs with uh, very heavy with lyrics stick with me. And, uh, you know, the bubblegum, you know, music that's out there today doesn't stick with me much, but when I can find these songs that are true worship, uh, those are the ones that stick with me because it, it's, it's speaking of the father. It's speaking of the son that we're, we're sp speaking of the spirit leading us and guiding us and dwelling us. those types of things. I, I dive right into, but uh, much of today's music is emotional. We're going to sing this low and slow. We're going to have the, you know, the, the aura sound behind it. And then we're going to start building and building and building. We're going to say the same thing 742 times and it's going to feel spiritual and everybody. Ah! And all we did was say the same and it, and it can be biblical sign. <laughs> Tom's getting a good chuckle out of it. We've had this discussion, haven't we? 
You know, we've had that discussion where it's just emotionalism. Drive the emotion, drive the emotion. Wow, that was awesome. Yeah, but was it spirit-filled? Spirit-filled, emotionally filled, emotionally driven. You know, and it, some of that music is a total blessing to people. I, I, if that blesses you, great. To me, it, it, it's just, it's like eating fluff. You know, pepperoni, pepperoni and fluff, <laughs> peanut butter and fluff sandwiches, right? As a kid, you know, and I, you know, we know that fluff is pretty much a New England thing. I didn't know that as a kid, but that peanut butter and fluff sandwich offers you absolutely nothing. Tastes good, but it absolutely, uh, you know, there's no substance to it. You're going to be hungry 23 minutes later after eating it, but as soon as the sugar burns off like that, um, because that's all you're eating is a mouthful of sugar. And, uh, but there's no substance there. There's nothing to actually sustain us. And uh, <clears throat> I just, uh, there's that um, spirit filled. So I've gone way off on a rabbit trail. The rest of verse one says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear in the night season and am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried out to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. When you look at verses 3 through 5 and understand the, the, when David is writing this, he's, he's reflecting back on Israel's history. Now, Israel had uh, at one point spent 400 years in uh, servitude to uh, Egypt, 400 years, you know, and for 40 years they wandered in the desert, you know, a victory, <laughs> uh, defeat, victory, defeat in the desert as far as, you know, spiritual victories. And, you know, they had some good times and some really, really bad times where they do some stupid stuff. And you know, we were just talking about it after the service today and, um, you know, Shane had brought it up there. There was the, um, you know, I brought, I brought you through the Red Sea and then immediately there you are worshiping this cow that you've made out of metal. You know, they, they, they just formed and it's how quick we are to, to forget how faithful God is and how powerful he is on our behalf. So when we read here, but you are wholly enthroned in, in the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted in you, uh, in you, they trusted and you delivered them. Understanding that if we don't have victory in our lives, it is not the Lord's fault. We don't have victory in our lives. It's because we haven't submitted something to him. And we're holding on to something. You know, the Lord's promises are sitting right there for us. You know, and, and uh, yeah, there's, there's popular uh, heresy out there that says, hey, you know what? It doesn't really, you know, you don't have to just forget about the sin in your life. There is no hell. There's no this and that. But if you just trust it and if you just give enough and you do all these things, God's going to give you the promises in this book. If he gives you the promises in this book, it's because he's gracious and merciful. Um, but he's only going to do that to a point. He's only going to do that to a point because otherwise it's it's like, you know, God is so faithful and um, so gracious to us that he's not going to let us continue in that. You know, we can look at the lost world and understand people are blessed beyond measure financially. Blessed beyond multi-billions and billions and billions of dollars. They've got all kinds of money in the world. And they don't have any relationship with the Lord. You know, that's that's between them and the Lord. 
But uh, but for us, just to understand, just because we've experienced blessing in our life doesn't mean that we're oh God God must be great with the sin that's that's still in my life because he hasn't you know uh, emptied my bank account he hasn't burnt my house and he hasn't you know all those things and and uh, it's weird it's weird the the heresy from people you know the one of the largest churches in america i don't even know the name of the of, of the church and now his name is uh, uh you know best life now what's that guy's name joel osteen joel osteen the man when asked do you believe in hell is hemming and hawing oh my goodness dude like these are the basics of the scripture i read of a of a professional athlete that was connected to a popular uh, pastor in the country, and that man no longer follows the Lord uh, and is more actually more leaning toward a very liberal type of Christianity where he's like, I don't really, I know, how can I really believe in a God that will send people to hell? And we know from the scripture, people can make the choice. God is so gracious, so loving. He's got that, he's got that offer sitting out for anybody. And it's either to re accept him and walk with him or reject him. And then you know, the consequence for rejecting him, he didn't want anything to do with me. Well, this is what happens to those. You know, if you want to accept me and, and have that relationship, you know, <clears throat> Israel experienced some tremendous, tremendous blessings and victories. And they weren't always so quick to come back and praise the Lord. And I know that that can be true in my life that the Lord can deliver. And I've shared this before. I've been here before and struggling through, um, you know, reading through here. You guys know sometimes I'm bumbling all over and I'm reading the next line and I'm, you know, I've got to stop and say, you know what, we're reading this again, you know, and I'll get through all those and the Lord will carry me through. And I'm like, there's no way anybody got anything. Someone's like, that's just like God. And the, the only way to describe it, and I love that, the only way to describe that is the Lord working through his word. Not John being clever. And I love it because, you know, we talked about Paul, where Paul this morning, where Paul was praying for the Lord to, to, to take that thorn in his side. And the Lord left it right there and just reminded him, no, when you're weak, then, uh, then I'm, you know, in your weakness, I am strong. That, that we understand that, that it's nothing that we can do. If I had the, the, the voice of a Grammy winning singer here and I'm, you know, singing it, singing it away and, and all these things, but my heart is far from the Lord, you know, yeah, great. Worship may sound great, but is it worship? Am I actually, because that's what we pray for before the service is that we would be worshiping God as we're practicing. Because when we've got our guitars and the mics and everything's here and everybody's facing us here, there's that sometimes it's very easy to forget that we're leading worship, you know, versus a like a not that we're trying to be rock stars, but more of a performance where we're like, I hope I don't mess up. Yes, I don't want to mess up because I don't want to stop worship. But our job up here when we're up here is just to lead worship. That, that that when when those songs are being lifted, they're going way beyond us. You know, this isn't a, hey, we're up here to look and feel like a rock star. And you guys have probably seen that before where, uh, you know, it drives me nuts. You know, we got a little bit of fog and we got a little bit of, you know, it, all this. It's it's disgusting. You know, the, the worship is on God. And um trying um we need to protect our hearts and 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 speak against that stuff 
you know, why do you guys have dry ice around? And why do you have the, you know, uh, you know, this stuff, uh, it, whatever that's, that's for them to deal with. But, but understanding when, when this is talking about who God is and what he's done for Israel, God is the one to get the glory. You know, it, it's, it's, it, it, we've, we've talked about that tool. You know, that is specifically a surgeon's tool. That surgeon's tool is absolutely worthless unless it's in the surgeon's hand. You know, when that that surgeon, uh, you know, and I, I know uh, some of these surgeons that, you know, I, I, I talked to this woman that's a uh, uh, orthopedic surgeon militarily. And uh, what's cool is her dad was an orthopedic surgeon for us. And then uh, I brought on her, uh, brought, uh, brought her on. Uh, and she transferred from another another service, and uh, it was really cool. But just talking to her, and you know what she specializes in, and those tools that she uses, and she's she's really good at you know these elbows and shoulders and knees and you know all these things. Those tools that she uses are absolutely useless outside of the hands of the one that they're made for. It's the same with us. You know we can get all prideful, but to understand. <clears throat> that we're nothing outside the hands of the Lord. You know, Israel, what David is saying here is our fathers trusted in you. They trusted in you. Uh, they trusted in you delivered. Verse five, they cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. That it's all the Lord is. If there's for some reason we experience defeat in our lives. I'm not saying that we, you know, if we experience a hard time, there are trials in life. But when there is a, a uh, something we're facing and we come to a point where it's and the Lord is calling us to faithfulness to him. And we're like, yeah, Lord, I heard you calling, but I had to go over here and do this instead and disobey you. And then we experience this failure. That's on us. That's not on the Lord. The Lord is always there uh, to give victory over our flesh, you know, and no temptation seen in man, but those things that are 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 common to man, and you know, way of escape. That just even even that verse from Second Corinthians that uh, that the Lord is always faithful to provide a way of escape. That there's that way. No, there's I, what I can, there is something I can do here, and I can fixate on the scriptures, and I can go and I can, Lord, this thing is pulling me so tight. I feel this this this. Whatever it is, is pulling me right now. Grab your scriptures, grab a flashlight, turn the light on, whatever, stay up, you know, uh, or, or, or just force yourself to go to bed, whatever it is that might be calling. When we experience, uh, you know, those failures in life, it's not because the Lord isn't strong enough. Um, sometimes we're not strong enough. It is because we're not strong enough. But it doesn't mean that the Lord has forsaken us. Is that? Does, am I making sense with that? But it's not that the Lord isn't sufficient. Um, and what he's talking about here is our fathers trusted in you and delivered them. Our fathers cried to you and they were not ashamed when they trusted in you. <clears throat> Verse 6, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Now, just reading that in David's day might have meant one thing, but when we can combine this with the crucifixion of Christ in the gospel accounts and understand, I am a worm and no man. I'm a worm. Like, that's, that's God saying that he's become a man 
and he's like he's a worm that he that he, he's just like a little thing that that has has you guys ever seen a worm stuck on the, on the uh, we all have right on the pavement you know see the worm and it's stuck and it's spinning around it's getting all the like it's it's a pathetic little thing right you know you look at that thing and you're like you know sometimes I'll see those things I'll just grab it and throw it in the grass just because you feel so bad for it you know when this is speaking of uh, of Jesus you know I am a worm and no man. That I'm lower than a man, that I'm so low, it's as though I'm a worm, a reproach of men, and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. Uh, remember the ridicule that Christ had when he's on the cross? Specifically, it says they shoot, at, uh, they shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, "He remember that? Physician, heal yourself. And oh no no you know let God remember when when he's calling you know you know what he he says oh, let's see is God going to come save you or what and they're mocking him what they didn't realize is that literally as he's on the cross he's fulfilling the scriptures that they claim to trust in that they've they have forsaken the God of those scriptures and they don't even know it and they're sitting there calling out the Savior that came to save them from their sin. The funny thing is, is we would be right in that crowd. We would be right in that crowd. Oh, yeah, you're great. Look at you. You're nailed to a cross. Hey, why don't you call? You know, when Jesus described to them, he's like, hey, you know what? I could call legions of angels right now and take this thing, this whole thing right out. But he knew that wasn't what he was supposed to do. But, oh, let him cry out to God. Let's see if God's going to save you now. Whew. That was, that was prophetic from Psalm 22. When they say he trust these words, he trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him. How many times do we read in the scripture? You know, you think you think uh, uh, those those times are like don't they're, uh, the the enemies of Israel are saying don't even think to cry out to your God. You know th that's wow. You know, and and when we see the end of those people, that's an awful end that I don't want. You know, he trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him. <laughs> Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Wow. He delights in the Lord. Let God deliver him. Whew. Okay. Verse 9. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Jesus was all alone up on that cross, all alone. Remember, all the disciples, they're gone. You know, he had, he had the small group of ladies standing off on the side. You know, and I'm always blessed by that. You know what? That I, I know, I know that uh, that... We see, and I, I did, for a lack of better word, the sissiness that can be in a man. And the woman's like, absolutely not. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I am right here. I'm not leaving. And, and they would, you know what? It, it, because they, they knew that, you know, the men knew that, uh, you know, they made a stance for Christ. They might be right there. The women just, I don't care. I'm staying right here. You're not doing a thing. You do whatever you want. I'm not leaving. 
you know, that, that strength sometimes that the Lord has given women, you know, when men might tuck tail and run, you know, the Lord did restore them. We know that. We know that, you know, where Peter gets the bad rap. Oh, you petered out, huh? You know, yeah, yeah. Remember Peter? No one, no one wants to remember that Peter was restored and then died for his faith publicly uh, because he would not reject Christ after watching his wife be crucified. You know, okay. <laughs> petered out? Let's talk about what petered out means. You know, you want to highlight his failure? Let's look at, let's look at, uh, at what he did. And when the Lord restored him, he denied the Lord three times and was restored three times. But when Jesus is saying, you know, be not far from me, where trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls, verse 12, have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. Like a sac, like a sacrifice when be poured out. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. Now, verse fourteen, very powerful. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. This is describing somebody that's hanging from something. Why? Why else would our bones like if somebody's just crumpled up on the ground? Why would your bones all be all out of joint? When you're hanging now, some people will say that Jesus was crucified like this or out on the cross. You know, Romans would, would mostly do it on the cross, you know, sometimes even here. But to understand most people that died on the cross suffocated. They couldn't pull themselves up to get that breath again, right? <clears throat> so they're, they're hanging there and, and their, their joints are just coming out of socket. I thankfully have never experienced that dislocation of a joint. Jesus, what's being described here is Jesus's joints are all dislocated, that he's just hanging off. The cross was meant to be public agony to get people's attention. Do not cross. Rome didn't invent uh, a crucifixion, but they certainly used it very well that they kind of, they kind of were known for it. It was, it's, it, uh, you know, just think of something that was invented and somebody else kind of took and perfected it. That's more like what Rome did. And they would do it so that everybody would have to walk by and see and go, uh, oh, what was written over that person's name? Oh, this guy's a thief. You know, okay, I'm not going to steal. You know, how many times do we look at somebody else's life and see, wow, okay, that's the result of what they went through. I'm not even going to do that. That's the point. They were trying to frighten everybody and uh, get them into submission and to think, all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. When we consider when it's foolishness, when there are skeptics of the death of Christ on the cross to say that he didn't really die. Oh, really? You mean because he was beaten beyond recognition the night before? Beyond recognition. They said that his, his visage was marred more than any man. And you couldn't even recognize him as a human being. After being beaten, just to think of the, the, the swelling of the brain that would happen from that and uh, all the, the shock that his system had already experienced from that, from being whipped, you know, having his flesh ripped off, all these things. And then you take him and you nail him to a cross and leave him out there. And he's there for three hours and he's hanging. And then he's no, the public, the, the, sorry, the professional executioners that look and as they're ready, because they were asked to go break everybody's legs 
so that, you know, hey, we got Passover coming and we don't want these guys, you know, hanging there. Can you go break their legs so they can't push themselves up and they suffocate earlier? When they come to Jesus, these professional executioners are so sure that he's dead, that he's just hanging there like, no, he's dead. He hasn't taken a breath or anything. To make sure they take a spear and jab it into his lungs, into his heart. And it says that when we look in here that, that the, his heart had melted, that blood and water flowed out of him. They, they penetrated that, that, that fluid sac around his heart. Who's going to survive that? Nobody's going to survive. And then you take him and bury him in a cold tomb for three days. They don't miraculously survive being stabbed in the heart. You know, that's when everything's done. When your heart doesn't work, our life is over. <clears throat> it's foolishness. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. When he got stabbed in the heart, blood and water flowed. It was like, it gushed right out. I don't mean to be graphic, but that's you know what the scripture is saying here. My strength is dried up like a pot shard, pot shard um, and my tongue clings to my jaw. Remember when Jesus said, I thirst, and they gave him the sour, the vinegar, uh, for his mouth, you have, you have brought me to the dust of the earth. That strength is that that your tongue would stick to the side. You know that that type. Um, my voice is already gone. I it lasted a week. Um, that uh, I'm going to move this closer so I don't yell. Um, my my tongue clings to my jaws. I don't know if I've experienced that type of of. Uh, dehydration, where my tongue is clinging to my jaw. like I can't even move it. Uh, I've been sick before, and um, actually this past week, when you can't breathe through your nose, and you wake up, and your mouth is so dry, I don't mean to be gross, but uh, that's what I'm reminded of right now, is when I wake up, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, I can't even, like, that, that dryness, it's not even close to what he was experiencing. You brought me to the dust of the earth. Verse 16, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. This is so specific to the crucifixion of the Messiah. I don't know how outside of uh, spiritual blindness, a, a, something that is supernatural, uh, keeping this from somebody understanding it. That's the only explanation that you could ever have. When you combine all these things and then you look at the crucifixion records and when you go through the Gospels and you start looking at these, you know, how in-depth Luke got with his, with his description of what happened and Matthew got with those big, long um, descriptions of, of what happened. I don't, I don't know how anybody can look at it and come to any other conclusion. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed. Isn't that how it is? I know I've used National Geographic or whatever, but once the thing's dead, they all come, right? When the thing is at its weakest point or, or just it's down, then all the dogs come. You watch a pack of hyenas or you watch a, a pack of coyotes or anything, when they finally get that thing out, you know, just they, they, they come right in. They pierced my hands and my feet. Very specific. It's speaking of one that's had their hands and feet pierced. Not, I got bit on the hand by the dog that's being described here. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. 
You know, when, when you think of the, all those, like the rib cage being exposed and you think of, of everything showing the dislocations, all my joints are, are popped. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing, they cast lots. Remember? Remember the four that were standing around casting lots that they could get the things of Jesus' clothes? I don't know how that you're looking at the how pinpoint this this uh, psalm is. There's no other explanation that if we could just sit and uh, you know I I know people uh, Michael that came here and played drums on on New York, uh, New York New York Eve. Oh my goodness, on Christmas Eve, it's yeah. Um, I need more of this coffee, I think. But uh, uh, Michael's a Messianic Jew, and uh, he he has accepted Christ as his savior. But to sit and and to, to understand that somebody might only believe the first half of this book, and then to take them to Psalm 22 and go, how else can you? Let's just look at the crucifixion of Christ. Let's read the four accounts, and then let's go to Psalm 22 and tell me what else and who else this could be speaking of. Who else could it be? It didn't have David wasn't crucified. David wrote this. He wasn't nailed to anything. He didn't have the, you know, where, where this is saying, my, you know, all, all these things, you know, my, my, my tongue clings to, uh, to my jaw. The, David wrote this uh, as a prophecy. David was not crucified. You could you just take them there and say, okay, well, who, who could this be? You know, like I said, when, when Ken has had these conversations, like, well, who else could this be speaking of? And I, I, I don't want to misspeak for what he said. But it, ultimately, it was like, if we look at all these things and we understand and we look at the New Testament and see that Jesus fulfilled all these, how have you, why don't you believe in him? It's that unwillingness. Because when you, even when you look, they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. Oh, my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword. My precious uh, life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, assembly I will praise you. You, will hear, uh, you who fear the Lord, <clears throat> praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not, desp uh, not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my, my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him. 
even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. That he has done all that we just read. It will be recounted. I just just have to wrap it up, guys, because I can't even talk anymore. Uh, They will come and declare his righteousness to a people uh, who will be reborn, that he has done this. Uh, Sorry, it goes back into verse 30. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation, that this will be continuously told of. All the and verse twenty seven, all the ends of the of the world <clears throat> shall remember and turn to the Lord. You know, when we look at everything that's listed here and you match that up with Christ's crucifixion, and understand that from that day the world has never been the same. You remember it? <laughs> I am really gonna have to wrap this up, but you remember in Acts <clears throat> when those that were opposed to the scripture said, these that are responsible for turning the world upside down. The world has never been the same since Christ died. There have been so many attempts to stamp out the, the faith, to stamp out. I received a text from Aaron Dudley, pastor of um, Machias Christian Fellowship, uh, and it was a YouTube clip of a church in California that Antifa went and attacked, and they, they wrote all these horrific things uh, about this church and just all these anarchy and, um, you know, these things about um, the, uh, saying that the church hates homosexuals, spray painted this and, and did all these things there. And uh, all these attempts to shut the church up and to, sh- and to shut the truth out. Uh, they've never come. You can spray paint things. You think the people aren't going to come to church the next week because you got spray paint on there? You know, we're that you know, when when we're told that we can't meet here, <clears throat> we're gonna keep the doors open. You know, no one's gonna tell us whether we can gather in Christ's name. We will gather if we want to. You can come do whatever you're gonna do, but we're still gathering. We have freedom in Christ to worship him. You know, and it all comes from what the Lord has done, and when we understand that's the truth, we can't turn away from it. It's going to keep going. All this, all that we just read, you know, uh, that that we understand the faithfulness, and we see what the Lord did and what He accomplished. And when it says it will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation, and it's just going to keep the more the that that the church, sorry, the world tries to to shut the church up, the more the fire keeps going. It's opposite of what that persecution actually purifies the church and causes the church to continue to grow. Like, wait a minute. Why is everybody so opposed to this? And people start flocking to the Lord. <clears throat> Can't stamp out God. We, it's foolishness to think that, that man's going to shut God up. You know, that the word's going to stop being preached. You know, when we think of you know, our brothers and sisters in these uh, Arabic nations that they have to meet in secret, that their lives are literally uh, on the line for going to to church in the secret church or uh, over in Asia when they've got to go to secret church and everything. You can't stamp out the church because the Holy Spirit is here. No one can defeat God. 
You know, when, when we think of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit isn't an it. it he is God. You know, and when the, as long as the Holy Spirit's here, you can't stamp it out. That the fire, when you step on it, it's going to spread. You know, it, it, it's like throwing gasoline on, on the church. You know, because the, the Holy Spirit is, is still working. You know, God is still in control. When we think of, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when we think of Psalm 22, it can't be denied. These things cannot be denied. When you match up the, <clears throat> when you match up the crucifixion accounts uh, and, and what is said here in the scriptures, it cannot be denied that it's speaking of one that was crucified. Okay, who else can match up to, okay, well, they cast lots for his clothes. And they all stood around him and, you know, just mocking him. And then you, when you match that up there, if somebody is not willing to, uh, to accept that, we don't go, well, fine. You don't want to understand they're spiritually blind. They've been spiritually blinded by the enemy. And we just need to pray for them and just say, just take this home and read it. Read Psalm 22, you know, turn in the end of Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and say, okay, look at all these gospel accounts, open up Psalm 22 and explain this happened. This was written hundreds of years before Christ even came. And then we can go back in Isaiah 53 and all these things are, how could it be anybody else? Okay. So if that's Jesus, you know, where are we at now? But for the Christian to understand who he is. And how powerful he is that he has control of all of this. This was written hundreds of years before with exact pinpoint accuracy. You know, <laughs> you know, just just to think that we can oppose God. You know, we I say we that that mankind could oppose God and actually win. You know, the wicked plot a vain thing. You know, Psalm two says. You know, where it's talking about, hey, you know, you guys can think you're going to beat God in a war. Good luck. You know, it's not going to happen because when we look at how mighty our God is, that he would subject himself to all these things because of his love for us, that he would submit his will to the will of the father to go through that and experience that separation from God, the father on our behalf, because he loves us so much. Amen. Amen. God, we thank you for your love. And even saying thank you doesn't seem to be enough. It's it's uh, indescribable. To think what it, we owe you what we can't pay, Lord, but you don't want us to pay. You just want our love. You want us to love you and have a relationship with you. And you've made every every provision for us, too. We thank you for that, Lord. We praise you. We ask you to continue to build and strengthen us. God, that you would be with us as we go about this week in front of us. God, that, uh, you know, there are going to be uh, things that uh, that will come in front of us as uh, obstacles where, oh, no, you can't read today, can't pray today because of this and that, that we would buckle down in our faith and understand who you are, the God of the scriptures, and that we need every day to be in your word and to be in prayer and to be in fellowship as much as we can be. Uh, God, that you would reign and uh, rule and reign in our hearts and minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace to you all. And